Futuralistic. I'm Phoebe, and Ashley is not joining me today, but she will be back next week for a very exciting interview. But today, I am so excited to welcome Lana Harper to the show. Lana Harper, this is her adult debut. She's written some YA novels, but her book, Payback's a Witch, uh, released in October, and it's been one of those books that has been all over Bookstagram, Booktube, Booktalk, because it's a great spooky season Halloween witchy rom-com. It's about Emmy who is returning back home to Thistle Grove for the first time in about 10 years and she's trying to get over an ex because she wasn't expecting to run into him and ends up teaming up with some other women in Thistle Grove to get a little payback. So here's my interview with Lana. I'm so excited to welcome to Read It or List It author Lana Harper, the author of Paybacks a Witch, one of the most buzzed about reads for spooky season. And when we're recording this, it has just released to the public, which is very exciting. So thank you so much for joining me, Lana. How are you today? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me, Phoebe. And also it is so incredibly exciting to me to hear my book <laughs> described that way. So thank you for giving me that thrill. It's just wonderful. I posted a reel uh, on Instagram and, and TikTok the other night of like the best, like, you know, because I don't really do scary. Scary is not my vibe. I'm more of a Christmas girl. I'm not really a Halloween kind of gal, but I love something that's atmospheric. And so I included, included a paybacks, a witch in there. And it's just, everybody is so excited about it. So I was going to ask you, how does it feel to be a debut author, to have your book finally out in the world? But it seems like it's very exciting. It's wonderful. And this is, uh, so this is actually my debut as an adult author, but I had my YA debut years ago. So it's just a completely different experience because Um, the reception of that book, I think was before Instagram and Twitter were Mm. quite as active in the book community as they are now. And also it was just a different book and it was quieter. And so I was really unprepared for how often (laughs) it was going to be. I really was just bowled over. There were so many gorgeous videos and people put such effort into this, Mm -hmm. which is incredibly impressive to me because I do not have an eye her photos and her videos like typically I'm like you know what let's just embrace how clumsy and askew this is gonna look because it's not gonna be perfect I'm sorry <laughs> I'm gonna leave that to the professionals <laughs> we're also people who have other things to do but they're better at it than me so it, it's been <laughs> tremendously wonderful I'm so excited to see people responding well to it this is like my happiest book I've ever written so it's really thrilling to watch people get that same kind of joy from it that I had writing it yeah, I know the book community is, I, it's, I think people as bookstagram um, in the Instagram world has existed for quite some time. And then feels like in the last year with everybody getting on TikTok and discovering like, cause TikTok kind of took over. And like, I think everybody's like, wow, all these people are talking about books. And those of us who've been doing it on websites and podcasts and Instagram, we're like, yeah, we've been doing it for a while. <laughs> and it's it's a really, really fun community. But yeah, it's been everywhere. I found out about your book over, I think back in May or June, 
um, with someone who was like, oh, books I can't wait for, for fall. And I was like, immediately like reached out to my friends at Berkeley and I was like, hey, can I get a copy of that, please? And it, I'm, I'm now I have our listeners can't see, but I have my beautiful finished copy now and it looks delightful on my shelf. So that's awesome. I, I didn't know that you had written a YA book and I, I was speaking to Emily Henry um, when her book came out uh, back in uh, May and she had sort of the same experience where she wrote a YA novel uh, or she had her YA debut and then her adult contemporary romances just kind of like really blew up and she was like, it was such a different experience. Um, what was the difference between writing YA and writing adult? So I have to give an aside here because I love Emily Henry and we are <laughs> old friends because she used to be my she used to be my client. I was her agent. Oh my gosh, that's <laughs> yeah. awesome. Yeah, Emily Henry and I go way back in the awesomest way. So yeah, I represented all of her young adult books and I actually saw um her rom-com before it went on sale, but she, I, we edited it just before I decided to stop agenting. And I was like, just so you know, you're going to be famous. So I'm leaving you in a really good spot here. <laughs> you predicted I'll, it. You knew. I'll see you, I'll see you when this is everywhere and just taking the world by storm. So it was incredibly wonderful and no one deserved it more than she did. It, it, she's a glorious person. Like one of those angelic people where you're like, how do you exist? You're so beautiful and so nice and so funny and smart. <laughs> So it was wonderful to see that book kind of become what it did. And she really inspired me in some ways um, to make that leap from young adults to rom-com because I had been doing, I mean, I had two contemporary fantasies uh, and two historical horrors that were all YA. And I had really enjoyed writing all four of those books, but I started feeling like, you know, I'd like to be able to tackle adult themes. I want to be able to write spicy sex scenes and you just can't do that. And I used to, to be fair, I used to do it in YA too. And then my editor would be like, we can't put this in here. Long enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd be like, are you, are yeah, you we, sure? we gotta, okay. we gotta fade to black. I think there's a very fine line because I do believe in like having sex positive stories for teens right. and understanding that, you know, I read, oh, what was it called? <laughs> By Ronnie Davis. Um, uh, oh, when the stars lead to you. And that had the most like, beautiful conversation between a daughter and her mother about taking that step with a partner and I was like this is what like you know everybody can make their own decisions with their body that's incredibly important but having that representation of like what you do with your body is not shameful I was like yes Yes. (laughs) um so but obviously fine line and what we what we show in a YA novel they're YA for a reason (laughs) Exactly. And it it doesn't, you know, YA is kind of in this pivotal moment where so much of it feels like it's written for adults. So Mm -hmm. I think there's authors who are still in that genre are feeling out, like, how can we pull it back to the roots while also maintaining sex positivity and the fact that we don't want to express this notion of this being a shameful thing. But I didn't want to tackle that anymore. I just wanted to I just wanted to write steamy sex scenes and have that be a thing. So in my first draft, uh, I kept asking my editor, like, can I say this? Is this allowed? <laughs> can we talk? And she was like, yes, yes, yes. You can say all of that stuff. So it was a really wonderful experience for me. And I just wanted to go deeper on a lot of, I, I tend to explore the same themes, which I think many authors have that similar experience. 
but I wanted to be able to do them kind of unfettered. I didn't want to have to worry about the age of the audience. And so payback was perfect for that because it is, you know, it's warm and cozy and fluffy. It's still a rom-com, but it tackles some achy stuff. And yeah. so I really needed that free reign to do that. Yeah, it has an edge, which I think is one of my favorite elements of romance because, oh, excuse me. Um, one of my favorite elements of romance is that you get those warm moments between people who are falling in love or they have all that tension, but there's also like just those, the, the nitty gritty that we all kind of, I think as you're, as you're falling in love with someone, a lot of other things come up and, you know, Emmy, the main character in Payback is dealing with something that I could really relate to of coming back to where you're from and like, that was never part of the plan and realizing, oh, maybe this is not so bad. <laughs> um, and I think that's something a lot of um, us, uh, the the cusper millennials, I think can relate to as the most, the majority of our twenties have been taken over by this pandemic. And a so. lot of that is sort of the question of how much of my identity is formed by me reacting to stuff and how much of it is chosen by me and then Mm -hmm. how much of it is based on expectations of other people so who am I supposed to be if I'm freed from all of those constraints kind of the preconceptions that other people have of me but also that I have of myself and I think Mm -hmm. that's what comes up against and I have certainly had those moments in my life even though I don't have a small hometown and I've never had that experience, but I've always wanted it so badly. Mm. (laughs) So I hope I've done it justice because I certainly never had it. Like I was born in Belgrade, which is not a small town. That's the Serbian capital. And then I left when I was pretty young and I never really developed that strong attachment uh, to that part of the world. I love Eastern Europe, but I'm not like, oh, that's home. I have all these friends there. Mm. I have friends everywhere. And I had a very kind of um, dispersed attachment growing up. So I just covet this idea of this place that knows you and you know it, and you have all of this this fraught relationship with it that you really need to untangle before you become who you're supposed to be. Yeah, well, I grew up in um, a Stars Hollow-esque town in Uh Connecticut. So I think you captured that very well in this book. (laughs) Wonderful, I'm so glad to hear that. Um, so where did the idea for this story come from? Because it has so many great elements that I think we look for in a re- in a book that we want to read this time of year because it is warm and cozy and romantic, but it also has this like the magic elements and then this really fun, not Hunger Games-esque, but like a competition in there that is really high stakes. So this story out of all of my stories was probably the most intentional and engineered, which is funny because it was such a wonderful effortless uh, story to write that I, I think of it as something very organic. But in fact, when I was um, trying to decide what I was going to do next as a career step, I had been editing a thriller. I had just finished my last YA book project and I was editing a thriller and then my agent Taylor Haggerty at Root Literary went to some editor meetings in New York and she kept hearing that people were really interested. Weirdly, this happens with editors. All of a sudden, everyone wanted a witchy rom-com. And she Mm -hmm. was like, hey, listen, I know you've wanted to make this transition for a while, but you weren't sure what kind of rom-com you wanted to do. Witchy is basically your brand. So would you consider (laughs) writing something in that space? And I said, of course, that sounds perfect. But can we just brainstorm, you know, the plot for a little bit? 
So we went back and forth and she eventually just sent me this one-liner and she was like, what do you think about John Tucker must die, but everyone is witches and two of them fall in love with each other. And I was like, that's brilliant. That's one of my favorite movies. So So she came up and I have to give her full credit every time that kernel of the idea was hers. And as soon as I read that, I was like, this is it. This is it. I can make this happen. And I started brainstorming. Because Talia gave me such like Sophia Bush, Brooke Davis energy. Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) Yeah. So when I talk about it, I say that it's John Tucker must die. I mean, chilling adventures of Sabrina, because that is what we intended it to be. And then once I knew what what I wanted it to be, I was like, okay, it had the way it makes sense is there's a magical town. There are four families because it has to be that number in order to give enough people for a vengeance pact and enough competitors. Um, there's going to be this big spell casting competition, and I just built it out from there. So I started from that idea, and then town and it sounds kind of cheesy but it really did feel like this it felt like I was excavating something that really existed because it was so easy to make these connections between what is this family what are their magical powers what is their business holding what is their domain what are their personalities like and then just create this web of interconnected witch families that had built-in conflicts and all this history and it was incredibly fun but it all started from that one-liner that that's incredible and I think so um, I'm currently working on my first novels and um, people always like oh how do you come up with ideas to write and it's like literally one person can say one phrase to you and like that can build an entire world so that's awesome I literally that just made me so excited I'm glad I want to frame that I need to frame that email I have to do something about it because it was so special like I resonated with it so hard and so instantly and that's you're totally right that's how it happens just this one little thing sparks off that like lucid dreaming free association and that's how it goes from there and I so I've like dipped my toes into like I don't I don't I don't do thrillers like I said I'm not a scary kind of gal um (laughs) but I've like dipped my toes into fantasy and I always need I need romance to anchor me in a fantasy story so I like to read fantasy romance and I really felt like though this is I get it will be billed as a contemporary rom-com but it does have a nice balance of like that action and fantasy element and the what we look for and love about contemporary rom-coms so did you have like a favorite element to write or um did you like really uh, lean into the rom-com side of it so I came into this intending it to be a feelings book first mm-hmm. and a witch book second. That was sort of the original idea. So in general, I love like the emotional aspect of things is always the driving factor for me. But when I started writing and I started discovering Thistle Grove for myself, I was like, I just have to. And it was a little bit of a risk because I was nervous that um, publishers who specifically were looking for rom-coms would be like, this is too genre. We don't need something that has so much world building and so many witches. Like we're looking for a simpler version of this, but it felt so right to give the town itself center stage and create almost a character in its own right. That is how everyone relates to Thistle Grove. So I did come into it thinking, okay, I'm going to try to write a straightforward rom-com that has witch elements. But then I think it evolved into something that is closer to, I would say, women's fiction crossed 
with genre fiction because both <laughs> of them hold a lot of sway. I mean, the magic is really there and it's really prominent. Um, and I, I hope it works for people because for me, it felt like a really good balance. And I, I loved having both of those components in play at, at all times. Yeah, I thought it was great. And now knowing more about your background, um, I really loved Talia's, um, the Amarov family, all of that, um, those elements. It was it was really fun to, to think about and read about. And like the elder female characters were so cool. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, wow, you guys make me feel like women are awesome. <laughs> I'm so glad. I love the elders and I very specifically created a situation in which there were more de facto female elders than male elders. I mean, we have the Thorn family where we have um, the elder is Aspen Thorn, but his wife who married into the family is actually the stronger witch. Yeah. And kind of so I really wanted, and that, that brings the count up to basically three women and one guy uh, running things. And it's just James Harlow, Emmy's dad, who is the elder of one of the families. So the whole, the book was really supposed to be, it's written for, from a feminist perspective, it's supposed to be really leaning into that aspect because a lot of witchcraft and just witchiness in general is focused on the feminine and the femme mm-hmm. presenting. And I think that's a powerful thing and something that I wanted to celebrate without kind of tainting it with any angst or fear. Like I didn't want there to be like, witches are scary. We're afraid of them. There's some kind of nervousness here. Same for the bisexual component. I didn't want there to be like, this is a coming out story. There's angst and fear. I wanted it all to be happy and all yeah. to be a celebration and something that people could just turn to and be like, I feel safe and delighted and I don't have to worry about any of the things that I would normally have to worry about with either of these topics yeah um this is always the part where I'm sure our listeners are going to roll their eyes because I say this to every author I'm an actor first (laughs) um so Meryl Streep um Meryl Streep said at one point right well it was during interviews when she was doing Into the Woods and she played the witch in the Into the Woods movie and she had said through her whole career she would never ever play a witch because witches they always made witches ugly and mean and the worst parts of the stereotypes of a woman um and she was like I refuse to play into that because that's not what womanhood is that's not what like the witchy element is and then so it took her they took a while to convince her um to find like the softer side of that character but I totally agree like they're the the stereotype and the crucible elements of witchcraft and all of that can be a little exhausting these days right but we also have you know the resurgence of what I I guess I would say power witchcraft at this Mm -hmm. point where you see so many like glam witch influencers on Instagram and and TikTok. And it's interesting because on the one hand, you're like, okay, this is a little silly. But on the other hand, you're like, this is awesome. Like these women are out there making money, manifesting their dreams, attempting to teach other people how to do this, creating this intense community and almost like like a de facto sisterhood in a wonderful way and making something that was perceived and is probably still perceived by many people as threatening and scary into something aspirational. Like mm-hmm. you want to be this fierce, super accomplished, powerful witch, someone who's in control of their own life, someone who's not afraid to be like either sexy or 
a rugged witch, like whichever one you identify with. So I love the fact that there's an entire spectrum out there and that one of the benefits of social media, which is so fraught in other ways, is yeah. that it's really allowed that community to thrive in a way that I think is is really laudable. Did you have like a favorite like witchy inspiration book or movie or anything like that? I love so many witch books and movies, but <laughs> I, I feel like I have to go back to the roots. And I think the first time that I loved witches was uh, watching Willow and Tara. And <gasps> yeah, the original <laughs> witches. I was like, because oh, I, you know, there's the sapphic part of it. And then mm-hmm. there was Willow's entire journey, you know, and she had a season of being the big bad, but even still she was so strong and she completely transformed. So the two of them, like the Buffy musical episode in which the two of them have their sexy moment is one of my favorite, like yeah. any kind of television or cinematic moments. So they're always an inspiration. Then obviously the craft. You can't <laughs> pay homage to the craft. I loved it. That's more of a friendship story, but it's so obsessive that there's like a sapphic element to it almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also really enjoy the magicians, which, you know, they're called. Yeah. Like that My old that's- roommate was obsessed with that show. <laughs> it's a fun show. It's a lot campier in a self-aware way than the books are, but it's really enjoyable. And yeah, they call themselves magicians but they're witches. That's what they are. So I very much wanted part of that vibe, like the sassy pop culture filled vibe um, in the book too. Um, Ashley, my podcast partner, she's watching Buffy for the very first time right now. Um, I know. And she's had nothing (laughs) spoiled. She just got to uh, the prom episode in season three. And she was like, she's like sending me her live reactions. And she's like, this is one of your favorite episodes. Are you kidding me? I'm like, no, you have to, you have to go through it, grow through what you go through. Um, so I'll have to make sure she doesn't, she doesn't know who Tara is yet. So that will be, be exciting that for her. Um, so where did the inspiration for the families kind of come from? I went through the families one by one. And then um, once I knew what I wanted each of them to stand for, I was like, okay, I want to have the necromancers and the diviners. That's the Abramovs. Um, I want to have these like flashy illusionists and elementalists. Those are the Blackmores. I need um, your basic green magicians and healers. Very sparkly, very wholesome. Those are the thorns. And then womp womp the Harlows, who are the record keepers, the magically challenged, but of course there's more to them than meets the eye. So I really went family by family um, to decide what I needed to kind of round out the compliment. And then I took a lot of inspiration for their holdings from places and experiences that I've had. So the Thorns have their honey pot or honey cake orchard, which is based on Honeypot Hill in Massachusetts, which is a beautiful orchard. It has a lot of the same elements as the one in the book. And then Castle Camelot, which belongs to the Blackmores, is like a cross between Medieval Manor and a Renaissance Fair, two of my favorite things ever. Uh, And then the Avramovs have the Arcane Emporium and a haunted house. So I was thinking of all these huge occult stores that I visited in Salem, and then also Sleep No More in New York, which is yeah, so like cool. No more. <laughs> yeah, like basically like a massive haunted house in essence. Um, and the book two will actually go much more into that, but that comes into play and in payback as well. Uh, and then for the Harlows, 
I live in bookstores and I especially love witchy bookstores. There are a lot in Chicago. There was a lot in Salem. So I use those as the inspiration for tomes and omens. So all of these places are really modeled on, much of it is modeled on Salem, but loosely. Um, and then a lot of it obviously is just stuff that I like to do. That's awesome. That's so cool. Um, I love Sleep No More. When I lived in London, they um, Punch Drunk had another show called uh, The Drowned Drowned Man. Um, and it was like a Rebecca retelling. It was so cool. Um, yeah, I, will, I would do anything that they do. I wish I could do Sleep No More 17 times. <laughs> um, they have different experiences the more yeah. times you do it. Yeah, it's awesome. If you don't know what that is for our listeners, it's an immersive theater piece in New York based off of the Scottish play Macbeth. Um, and it is like you go around and follow the actors. It's very cool. You interact with them. You wear masks, not face masks. Um, but yeah. Like after masks, no less. Yeah. <laughs> Um, all right. Oh my goodness. We're almost out of time. I'm having such a, such a good time. I can't believe it's flying. Um, so something that we like to do here is pair songs with books. So if you had to pick a song that you would think encompasses, uh, what your book is about, do you have, do you have one? Mm, I have a whole playlist actually for Talia and Emmy. So I'm just going to very quickly see what my first song on that is. I believe it's Bells by Canon. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, it is. Yes, it's Spells by Canons. Um, and then also, um, I really enjoy Gooey by Glass Animals. But that was more for the relationship between Emmy and Talia. So for the mm -hmm. magical aspect, I would definitely go with Canons. They have the best witchy but lighthearted music. Oh, I love that. So we know that there is another book coming in the Thistle Grove universe. Is there anything that you can tell us about it? Uh, it is called From Bad to Cursed. We are continuing the tradition of witch puns. Um, and I actually <laughs> just revealed the cover in my newsletter. So you should totally subscribe to that if you can. We'll have it linked in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. And I will also be revealing it, um, I think, next Tuesday officially so it will be out in the world and hopefully the pub date is set for May so not that long of a wait and is it whose story can you tell us whose story yeah, it is I totally can it is the story of Isadora Avramov who is Talia's younger sister yes. she is a character and the love interest is Rowan Thorne who is Lyndon's twin brother and um, they are enemies the lovers <gasps> <is a> trope <laughs> there's a curse there's a dread curse leveled against the thorns. The Avramovs fall under suspicion. So the two of them are reluctant partners and they have to get to the bottom of it together. Oh my goodness. <laughs> well, I cannot wait. And now it makes so much sense that uh, Emily Henry blurbed your book for you. What a cool <laughs> connection. I'll have to let her know um, that we're having you on as well. Well, thank you so much for joining me, Lana. I can't believe we're out of time. This has been such a fun interview. Congratulations. Do you have any final thoughts for our listeners? I think we've covered everything. Thank you so much for having me, Phoebe. This was incredibly fun. I wish we had way more time. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. That was seriously one of the most fun interviews. I think I say that every time. I wish Ashley had been able to join me because Lana was very generous with her time. And it was a really fun conversation. And I liked having some rom-com-esque Halloween reads this year, since we all know that's not really my thing. 
<laughs> so thank you so much for listening we'll be back next week with ashley i know we all miss her when she's not able to join me so you know where to find us at read it or list it pod on instagram and you can find us individually as well at underscore shelf love underscore and at read and write and we will see you next time original music by jake thorne podcast produced and edited by me ashley chandler and phoebe wright you can find us on instagram at read it or list it pod all rights reserved 2020